Welcome back to the next edition of Talent Talk, episode 29 of this series after starting back in September. With the halt in sports across the nation, we'll be taking a look back on great success at UNF and catching up where a former Osprey is now in today's episode. Really excited to have this guest on that we have today. It's a former UNF Beach volleyball player, Kim Hildreth. Kim made the AVCA Sand Nationals back in 2014 for the Ospreys in her only year at UNF after going 20-8 and on the season and 12-4 and in tournament play. A native of Novi, Michigan, Hildreth played indoor volleyball at Eastern Michigan University as a setter for the Eagles. Hildreth was first introduced to the beach side of the sport when visiting an AVP event in 2009, and from then on, she was hooked to the sport, and so we kind of go into that story today. Hildreth really started to make the dream of playing on the sand a reality after finishing up at EMU. She joined UNF's beach squad in 2014 as a graduate transfer and has since then made Florida her home, a relatively somewhat relatively uncommon thing for those in the beach volleyball community. So Hildreth wasted no time in the beach volleyball world, being named the 2015 National Volleyball League NVL Rookie of the Year. And now she's paired up with former standout middle blocker at Elon, Sarah Shermerhorn, having played in Chicago, Seattle, Florida, Guam, California, Austin, and even in Cambodia on the professional ranks. So today we'll be catching up with her talking about her current situation, having her season on hold, what she's doing, and just a lot of the other details in between. So sit back and enjoy this interview, and let's get this conversation started today. Thanks for being on, Kim. Yeah, thanks for having me. So as we were talking about and then pervasive across the sports world right now, COVID-19 has affected it, and you're a professional athlete um, who played at UNF collegiately and, and Eastern Michigan, but just kind of give a quick synopsis of what this experience has been like and how you've adjusted. Um, it's been pretty intense. Uh, we were pretty much in season. Uh, me and my partner had already been traveling internationally to play some of the FIVB tournaments. And it went from we're going, we're training, we're traveling, we're in tournament mode to literally nothing. Um, because at the same time that all the tournaments were getting canceled, all the parks and stuff were getting closed. So all, all of our training, everything, they actually like took all the volleyball nets down and like the entire city. Um, so yeah, it's literally like you're, you're running the race and then you hit a wall (laughs) Right. So and you stop. So yeah, go ahead. So going into this, to the structure of your season, like at what, what point in the season for a professional beach volleyball player is March? Uh, it is like the last week of preseason, if okay. not already season. Um, it just kind of depends. Like the the last couple of years, the domestic tour, the AVP has been starting the first weekend of May. Um, and usually there's a lot of other tournaments uh, com- leading up to that. So there were already some big domestic tournaments that were like minor league AVP tournaments. They call them AVP next. Um, it has some good money that are bids into the main tournaments. So we were already playing those. So March is season. <laughs> March is one of the busiest months of my year. What, what months do you do the most traveling then? Would you say the summer months? Uh, yeah, May through September is, is the busiest season, but this year we actually started traveling in February. Um, like I said, we tried, we started playing the FIVB. So we, 
we snuck out of the U.S. and took a trip to Cambodia and Guam before all of this started. <laughs> That's pretty awesome to be able to go there. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of places you can reflect on that you've had opportunity to go to that you probably never would have imagined coming from oh, yeah. Michigan. Um, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, so for us in college athletics, it was kind of March 11th, 12th when it really hit. And that was when reality sunk in. Uh, do you know where you were when you heard about it? And when you first heard about things closing down, did you, did the whole beach volleyball community think it was going to be a thing that would just shut down the season? Oh uh, yeah. I think everybody felt it, especially because this is, um, playing the FIVB. This is like the last couple months of Olympic qualifying. Mm. So like the qualifying ends in June. Um, and there were three, major events with like huge implications points wise for those players that are in the in the qualifying for Tokyo that were in China that got canceled right away like back in February so that was already like sent the whole volleyball community kind of like on knees you know you could all feel that like this isn't over and those three events really mattered um and for some people I mean that was it like their their qualifying dreams were over as soon as those tournaments were canceled so um yeah, I think I think we've been feeling it since January, February. China has a ton of international tournaments, so uh, like that was mm-hmm. a huge a huge hit right off the bat when this all started happening. So I think when you said like March 11th and 12th was actually like the last tournament I played. There was a big tournament in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, in a big indoor facility that had like twenty thousand dollars in prize money, and it was um, the winner of that was main draw for one of the biggest tournaments of the year, um, which is ADP New York, which is scheduled right now for June. <laughs> Don't really see that happening. Um, they haven't announced it yet, but yeah, they, that was the last tournament like throughout pretty much the world that happened. Um, the week after that was supposed to be another big Olympic qualifying tournament in Australia that got canceled. Um, and there were already players there when it got canceled. Like they had already flown to Australia um, so some people had a hard time like getting back and yeah, so March, February, March was when it all kind of started tumbling down for us. What does a typical calendar year look like for you travel wise? I'm sure there's been a lot of variants since you started in 2015, I believe it was, was your rookie yeah. year, but like kind of what's yeah. the general structure of your travel? Um, well, being in Florida, we're really fortunate just to have a lot of tournaments to play. And in Florida, you can play at least one tournament a month uh, all year round. Uh, if not, I mean, in the summer from, I would say from March to October, you could play every single weekend somewhere in the state of Florida if you want to. So um, as far as like traveling, I don't have, living in St. Pete now. There's a lot of tournaments over here, but traveling to Fort Lauderdale, traveling to Cocoa Beach or Panama City, sometimes like, you know, those are our typical Florida travel. Um, and I love to play tournaments, so I'm, I'm traveling year round. But the really busy season usually kicks off in April and, and May um, when we start traveling. The first tournaments of the ADP is usually in California. So we're headed to Huntington Beach um, and then we go to Austin, New York, Seattle, back to California twice. We went to Hawaii. Um, So yeah, but this year was going to be bigger. We were going to travel more this year. Um, So like I said, we started, we went to Cambodia, we came back for two weeks and then we left for Guam. (laughs) And then we came back for two days and we went to Cincinnati to play that tournament. 
and then we came back and we were going to be home for another week or so before we like hopefully got a chance to go play a tournament in Laos. So yeah, we were going to hit the road this year. <laughs> that's some major travel. Yeah, that's yeah. But that's pretty special though. I'm sure that that's kind of maybe kind of a sneaky dream that kind of snuck up on you. I don't know. I mean, cause if we want to backtrack, you are from a pro- suburban Detroit. Am I, am I correct? Yeah. And then you played indoor at Eastern Michigan. Um, was this like kind of a thought in your mind that you might want to do this when you're a setter at Eastern? Um, when I was playing at Eastern is when I first started also playing beach in the summers. Uh, my coach at Eastern and especially my assistant coach was Brazilian and she kind of, got me into like playing beach volleyball as well as some other of the like local beach volleyball people in Michigan. And they would always talk about how, you know, they went to play the AVP qualifier every time it came to Chicago and how cool it was. And then the AVP actually came to Lake Michigan when I was in college. So my freshman year of college, our coach took us during preseason to watch a day of the AVP and like have our day off. And that was like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Cause the what I love the most about beach volleyball is indoor is so physical. Like you got to be so physical to succeed in indoor. It is rare that someone who's smaller and more skilled can excel at indoor just because like the power dominates, you know? And um, so in beach, when we went to watch that tournament, there's these two sisters who've been playing together forever and they're both five, 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 six. They don't block. So if you ever watch beach volleyball, like at a high level, there's a blocker at the Mm -hmm. net almost all the time Mm -hmm. because the girls are hitting the ball like super hard, right? These girls just sit back and just dig the crap out of everybody. And it's so different. So it's so inspiring to watch them play and be like, wow, like anybody can play. Anybody can win as long as you like kind of know who you are. And there's just so many creative ways to score in beach volleyball, which is what I loved about indoor, but at the collegiate level, that gets smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's more about how hard you can hit the ball or how fast. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that was kind of where I got started and where, you know, I kind of always thought, like, when I was playing with them in Michigan, I was like, man, it'd be so cool to play an ABB qualifier. That's always what I thought at first. So it kind of – I've never, like – had this huge dream of like, I'm going to be a professional beach volleyball player. I'm going to play in the Olympics. Like those are all things that sound cool, but I've kind of just been the kind of person that just take things like one step at a time. And I like to look at what's right in front of me instead of what's 10 steps in front of me. Um, So, so the first thing that was right in front of me was, Hey, collegiate beach volleyball is an opportunity. I'm going to graduate. I actually had a year. I could have played one more year of indoor. I had to red shirt because I had knee surgery and, um, I decided to graduate early and try to get that beach volleyball year in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Worked so, out. So you had the red shirt your freshman year, right, at Eastern. Yeah. And then yeah. you saw the most action your red shirt junior year as a setter. Yeah. Um, kind of during that time, did you say to anybody or was it kind of like just kind of like a hidden dream of yours to play beach? Um, my best friend – uh, played with me at Eastern and she was also my beach partner in the summers and that summer um, going into our senior year we tried out for the USA high performance beach volleyball team um, made the team and her and I went got to go to California and spend a month in California like training and everything um, so that's kind of when I was like this is cool <laughs> like gotcha. this is where it's at living on the beach all yeah. summer in Manhattan Beach California um, 
yeah, it was, it was hard to beat that. So we came back into our senior year and uh, yeah, I think at that point I was just over indoor. I was like, I'm like, why am I here? Like, this is, I need to get on the beach. Yeah. She knew and my parents knew and the people that I played with. Um, I didn't really tell my indoor coach at the time. Cause you know, what do you say? Like, I think I'd rather be somewhere else. Like that's not really like the commitment a coach wants to hear. And um, I had, you know, I'd made that commitment. So I wanted to finish out the season and, and then make some decisions afterwards. So you were a setter. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of different styles of play in beach volleyball and you can get, you can rely on some guile a little bit more. Do you see a trend at all? Like DS's or liberos do well, like obviously that, that one pair that you saw, they were probably, if they were indoor, they were probably DS's or something like that. Yeah. That's what they're doing, (laughs) you know, but do you see any, um, well, your partner, Sarah, right? She was a middle. She's middle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so it's kind of all over the place, I I guess. Yeah. In general. Yes. Because the skill transfer of like a ball control position, like an outside hitter, a DS or a setter, um, I mean, honestly, even I would say setter is like probably at the at the end of that, like a DS libero who passes on serve receive more and then an outside hitter who attacks the ball more. They probably have a quicker transition in some ways um, than someone who doesn't hit very often in the game like a setter or someone who never passes like a middle. But I mean, it's working out for the setter and the middle I got. So yeah, <laughs> um, it's definitely possible. Like you know, because you can't you can't play at a high level indoor without those skills at all. And frankly, like the foundation of the skills is similar, but they're very different in practice. Um, the way that you pass in the beach is very different than the way that you pass indoor. Um, and the the rhythm of the game and the setting is it's it's different. So it's definitely transferable. But for everyone, there's a huge learning curve going from indoor to beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little bit of an, I think for people outside the sport, it's very underrated. Like they seem like it's volleyball, but for people playing the sport, there's a lot of indoor players that go to the beach and are like, I hate this. I'm so mm-hmm. bad at this yeah. because the skills are very different. Well, especially depending on certain rules, if you have an indoor, maybe you're just, you know, you're a purely offensive outside or, you know, you're just not used to moving around a lot and, and having yeah. to be creative. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of variation in what setters can be good in indoor too, or it, out in, yeah. in beach as well, because you'll see a setter that's, you know, really good on the offensive. They can get a dump shot in there that, you know, they're quick and whatnot. What was your style of play as a setter in an in indoor? Oh, that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't start setting until my junior year of high school actually, um, which is pretty late to the that's, game for yeah. like a really skilled position like setting. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I chose to go to Eastern because the head coach and the assistant coach were both like all conference, all American setters themselves. And I was like, I'm behind and I need to learn from the best. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that was a big decision for me, but yeah, in high school, <laughs> I, my junior year, we were super good. Um, and then my senior year, all six of the other starters graduated because they were seniors. So my senior year, we were pretty low on, on positions. We were still pretty competitive, but we had basically the other senior middle who had played the year before and then me offensively. And yeah, I just decided that I was going to be the offense. So my middle had the highest kills on the team and I had the second highest kills on the team running a five one. Wow! <laughs> so going to college, 
that was probably the biggest transition for me was like you can't take the ball over onto every yeah. other play like, you just can't do it it's not gonna score um but then I got back out to the beach and I was like this is working for me again well so that would kind of make sense in a way like <laughs> yeah well so when I played at UNF actually the partner I had I felt we, uh Dagnia uh man I we we had such good rhythm together like our our game was like very smooth like it always felt like you know I knew exactly where she was going to play the ball she knew exactly where I was going to play the ball and like she was very similar to me so playing us was probably super annoying because we would just take balls over on two left and right like both of us (laughs) (laughs) three contacts are not necessary like it's too much work we'll just find an open spot boom 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 yeah finish it off yeah so that was definitely my style indoor and it is still my style (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) yeah so going back to that you're at eastern and you're like i've spent this time in california and then how did unf come into the picture and um what was your thought about being in florida versus california um so i definitely at first was like I think I'm good enough to play, you know, at a USC who at the time was like totally dominating. Um, but by the time I really, I had, I was thinking about it, my, you know, going into the season in the fall of my senior year, but I hadn't really made a decision. Um, one of the like defining factors in my decision is one of my best friends, roommates who I came in with at, at Eastern Um, she also redshirted and so we were kind of like the whole we lived with two other girls that came in our class all four of us like all you know as freshmen through seniors we lived together and when she redshirted it the same year I did we were both kind of like okay like we'll be there our fifth year together it'll be cool well she decided not to take her fifth year Um, she was just going to graduate and start working and I was like I think that was kind of like the nail in the coffin Mm -hmm. for me like okay I need to figure out something else so I didn't decide until like November that I wanted to start looking and November in Michigan and I hadn't played beach volleyball since August and I had no film. So I was like completely unprepared. Um, so I just started looking one, I mean, first, first things first is I had to find a program master's program that I was interested in, um, that I was qualified for that I had the prerequisites for, cause I only had one semester to kind of yeah. get myself together um and then I had to match that with a team that I thought was going to be really successful that would take me because they I had nothing I had I had nothing I had some indoor stats and I could tell them I made the USA high performance team but basically they were just going to like open a spot on the Mm -hmm. team for me right so um UNF was kind of the magical number right there for me they had a program that I was interested in and um I got accepted to, and then I came down for a visit and obviously the campus is beautiful. I loved how close it was to the beach. I'd never lived that close to the beach ever. Um, so that was a huge draw for me. And I just think California was at the time just going to be so expensive and far for my family in Michigan that Florida just felt better. Um, I was super nervous about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a freshman again because I don't know anybody here, but mm-hmm. I was excited to play. So yeah, the, the stars kind of aligned. The coaches were really awesome. I just felt, you know, like it was the right move. And then I showed up and I think they were kind of like, Oh, (laughs) he's pretty good. 
we got this one for free. That was cool. <laughs> well, I mean, and your numbers spoke for themselves that year. I mean, you, I think you got, you know, to the 20 win milestone and you went to the sand nationals with, with DAG as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was that like kind of like transitioning to into that team, you know, like in practicing and getting to be, I'm only a beach player now. Like, what was that like? Way more chill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, not even just because beach volleyball is more chill than indoor. Like my coach at Eastern was like a stickler on the details. Mm. Yeah. Like it was, there was no chill in indoor at all. Like you were honestly, like my entire undergraduate career was like full of anxiety. <laughs> and I like, still to this day have dreams where like, I forgot my shoes, which actually happened one time oh, no. when we were six hours away. I forgot my plane shoes oh. like I have dreams about that you know I have nightmares you probably just act like, like you're sick at that point I mean like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so you know the coaching staff was just like really like I you know just a different vibe so like mm -hmm. it was a huge transition for me honestly I was kind of like stressed when there didn't need to be stressed probably <laughs> Um, because I was like, there should be more happening. Like I should be like, I should have, where is my anxiety, you it's know? Like, but like, mm -hmm. it was a really nice change. Like it was really nice to just like, it's nice to come into the fall and not be playing. It was, so I got a chance to like figure out what I was doing in Florida, you know, and like being far away from home, which is totally different. Cause I went to school 20 minutes from where I grew up and where my parents were. So I couldn't go home every weekend. Um, and yeah having that like semester to like settle in. Um, and then by the time we started competing, like, you know, kind of already knew I was going to play with DAG. We'd been playing together a lot in the fall and yeah, it was, it was good. It was more relaxing than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, indoor will just lend itself regardless of a coaching stuff. You're inside, it's noisier. Um, yeah. you know, players are hitting the ball you know, coming yeah. from the outside, they're just pounding it like straight down to yeah. the ground. It's just like, it's a totally different atmosphere. You're not playing music during the games like you are in yeah. beach volleyball. Yeah. I mean, people totally. aren't just hanging out at the, at the beach. Um, yeah. Because of that, like when you talk about playing beach volleyball to people back home in Michigan or playing professionally, is it like talking about a foreign language or speaking a foreign language to them? Because it's like, you can't really wrap your brain around the culture of the sport that well I know for me I'm from Illinois so it was yeah. definitely not something I'd been around of around much yeah I think um on one hand there is a pretty like good beach volleyball community in Michigan but they definitely don't get it like I do you know I remember being in Michigan and playing in the tournaments on like Michigan and it's still chill and it's fun and it's like a great time but it's it's totally different than when you go play even just like one of the bigger Florida tournaments, like dig the beach. There'll be like 20 tents set up. There'll be, there's a huge speaker, like huge, you know, there's a giant water thing for everybody. There's hundreds of teams. Like people are like surrounding the court to watch the finals. You know, it's like, okay, this is a total step up. And then afterwards, no matter what happens, everybody's going to the bar together afterwards, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it becomes, the the beach volleyball scene is definitely more of like a family like it's just a huge community and especially I really feel like the Florida beach volleyball community is like tight like everybody knows everybody the couch is always open you know so that's like the best part is when you get to go play I mean this is probably one of the worst parts of this thing is like 
I usually have been in Fort Lauderdale like three or four times this year by now. And I have a ton of friends down there that I haven't seen, you know, and I'm used to like having sleepovers with them like once a month, you know, which is like college. Like you're in the dorms and you get to like go hang out with your friends. That's kind of how beach volleyball is. I feel like it's, it's like that, that thing about college that you miss that you get to hang on to. So yeah, I think it's hard to get them to like totally understand if they've never really seen it, but yeah, it's getting bigger. So I, ho- uh-huh. I hope it gets there in Michigan. So one of the things that I, I don't, I might be wrong in my assessment, but like I, you know, I read in one of the articles, you know, you're, you're sharing an apartment with, you know, up to almost a dozen people at times. You're just got, <laughs> it's like a chaos, like, you know, and you're yeah. coming in and out of town, you're playing games. It's kind of like, um, like the rock climbing community or something like that. It's just kind of like people like go in and out and they do what they want to do and they go to new places. Like, it's kind of like dirtbag culture in a way. Like, is that kind of like yeah, how I it mean, is? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I love to say this, like there is not enough money in this sport to be anything other than a good time. You know, mm-hmm. like even if there was, it would still be a good time, but like, yeah, we're, we're not in it for the money. Nobody's in it for the money. Right. If I was in it for the money, I should have played tennis, you know, yeah. like this, this is a sport where we're in it because it's just, it's just fun. <laughs> it's just like a good feeling. I mean, yeah, yeah, I remember that tournament that I wrote that article <laughs> about was we literally had a two bedroom apartment and two baths, thank God. And we had a mattress in the living room that just stayed in the living room for three years because it got used so much. So we had two couches and like a mattress in the middle, like a full queen mattress like just sitting there like <laughs> um we had like three air mattresses someone slept in our hammock on the porch just for fun so yeah that was crazy it's it's fun though you know like that's yeah college stuff and mm-hmm. it's like we're all 30 and we're still doing it and it's still a good time <laughs> yeah it's it's a cult it's a certain culture and you find that niche and um it's not like many things and I'm sure that yeah. a lot of beach volleyball players probably feel a sense of pride about that and so for you at UNF, um, you got put into the, into the lineup and you're playing all the time. Um, and then you go to Sand Nationals. Do you have a favorite win um, during your time at UNF? And then when did you know, like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the NBL Rookie of the Year next year? Like, when did that feel like that could be a reality? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I knew that while I yeah. was at UNF. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Dag and I had a couple pretty nice wins. Uh, one of the best ones, I think, we beat – Kaya, who was Carolina Marciniak, who was one of the top players on the NBL and on the ABP every time she plays. She was gearing up. She just had a baby last year, but she was gearing up to play again this year. And we beat her and her partner in, like, I think our second event of the season. And, like, everybody on the team knew who she was. I didn't know who she was, but I could see that clearly. She was a good player, right? So everybody on the team knew who she was, and they were just talking, such, talking her up and being like, come on, like you guys can do this, whatever. And I was just okay. And like beating them was pretty awesome because her partner was super good too. Her partner plays for, for Canada. I'm, I believe now, um, at the time. And yeah, that was a good win. It always feels good to beat Stetson, especially now, like, uh, the girl that we would beat at Stetson, Kaylee Melville ended up actually coming here to train with me for a while. And, um, so yeah, like that, but in, in college, you know, UNF Stetson, it was very clear when I came in that that was like the rivalry. So that was always fun. Um, and then I think at nationals, 
Um, we beat Grand Canyon mm-hmm. in the pool play, and Mackenzie Ponnet is a baller, and she still does really well. She had a really good season on the AVP this year. So um, at the time, I don't know if it felt as good of a win. I think I knew she was a good player, but I, I had that was the only time I'd ever seen her play. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, that I know what a good player is, I would look back and say, like, that was – I think we beat him in two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a good that was a good win. And the, yeah, and then you got yeah. that one against Tulane there as well, and and um, San yeah. Nationals. Uh, what was the transition like? I mean, so you you finished that year at UNF, and then a whole new kind of life starting for you. What was that 2014-15 transition time? That was a tough summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved home because I was broke, and mm-hmm. um, I played in Michigan that summer and applied for some jobs and was basically looking for jobs in California or Florida. Um, And I actually almost moved to Santa Cruz to be the coach at the university of California, Mm -hmm. Santa Cruz. Banana Um, slugs. But their pay, yeah, (laughs) their pay was really low to live in one of the Mm -hmm. like most expensive cities in the country. Um, And then there was, so I, I, kind of got offered that job and got offered a job at the University of South Florida as an academic counselor um, for the athletic department. And I knew that there were a lot of good players in Tampa at the time. There were a lot of top players in Tampa. I mean, there still are, but uh, yeah, there's some ballers here. So, and I knew what the Florida beach volleyball scene already looked like and the tournaments that I was able to play and it was closer to home and it was way cheaper to live here. So I ended up in Tampa and that was, obviously the best move I've ever made, um, ended up finding, so I was working at USF, you know, not enjoying college athletics from the administrative side as much as I thought, but I think that's mostly just because I wasn't done playing, you know? Um, so I started playing with the local girls here, most of them who had been top AVP players or, you know, at the time the NBL was going on and they were playing NBL and I realized, Oh, okay. The NBL is in Florida. Let me go play one. And then I made it in and then I started playing more tournaments on the weekends and was realizing that I was making like as much money as I was making at USF. <laughs> and you're probably like, is this real life? Like, is this like, yeah, and I am I allowed like, to make this money? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I would prefer to make my money this way. So mm-hmm. I ended up leaving USF um, at the end of the semester in the spring. So I, I think my last week was like in June and that was good timing for me to just kind of roll through the NVL season. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think like I said earlier, like I don't like to look too far ahead. I just kind of like to take the next door that's open right in front of me. And that was a big wide open door, um, which led to another door, you know, and that's kind of how I found my, my coach here and my training group here. and here I am. <laughs> yeah. Did it feel like a lot of pressure at the time when you kind of made that decision to go with beach route? Because there are probably so many details you have to figure out, like your training group, like your partner, like your coach, like a good place to be being in Florida versus California. Like, was there a lot of like, what am I going to do? <laughs> um, there was some for sure. I think by the time I ended up leaving USF, um, I had pretty much figured out who I was going to train with. There are like two groups here that take training pretty seriously. Um, the NVL was rolling and there was decent money on the NVL and it was all really East coast based. There was only like one or two events a year in California and there were like three or four in Florida, um, and some in the Midwest. So I was like, perfect. I'll go home and play a tournament. Um, so that part, 
that part wasn't bad. That part was pretty no brainer, you know, like there's tournaments here. I'm making money here. There's players here. I don't know, even know if I'm good enough to like be in California yet. So let me like be good enough to beat all these players and then see mm-hmm. where I'm at. So gotcha. worked out. <laughs> Clearly was, um, yeah. so, so what was, so you like 2015, 16, 17, you're kind of building that rapport within beach volleyball. Um, at what point did you end up finding Sarah like, and how did that happen? And, um, what was just your life like at that point? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, so I was coaching on the side and the club I worked for here has always been like super supportive of my professional career and flexible with me. Um, so that helped. Uh, That was a big help. Uh, There's a lot of clubs that I don't think would, would make accommodations as much as my club director has always done for me. Um, and so that kind of, I had my money set. I was working club volleyball in the off season and then making some money during season. I think, um, during that time, there were a lot of players that as soon as they would have success on the NBL, they'd go play AVP. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was like, I'm making good money, good money playing NBL without much travel. And I'm not the best one here yet. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I, and I'm getting a ton of matches. I think that's a lot of like, when I made the AVP final this last year, the, you know, the AVP doesn't like to talk about the NBL. Um, so they just pretend like I never had a career before the AVP. But <laughs> when we got interviewed going into the semifinals, um, they pulled us into the Amazon prime booth and they interviewed us and they were kind of like, Oh, like, what's it like to, are you excited to play your first semifinal in front of a big crowd? And I was kind of like, you yeah. kind of felt yeah. like insulted a like, little bit this yeah. isn't my first time right you know I have played a lot of semifinals in front of a big crowd with a lot of money on the line I mean it's bigger but it's still like I've done it you know mm-hmm. and and I've done it professionally with money on the line not just like collegiately when you're playing for your school which mm-hmm. I feel like is also a different situation mm-hmm. so um I think like having the opportunity to like put in the time and like learn how to play a full tournament every single time I play a tournament instead of just, you know, playing one or two matches, which would have been, and is, it's happening on the AVP sometimes too. Sometimes you'll play the AVP and you play three or four matches and your tournament's over as opposed to six to eight mm-hmm. when it, what it looks like to play through a whole tournament. So I think when we got that opportunity in Austin, playing those NBL tournaments really was what got us there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think it was an easy thing to like kind of just stick it out because you couldn't play both at the time the ABP wouldn't let you if you made the main draw on the ABP mm-hmm. you could no longer okay. play MBL so um it wasn't like I could just do both you had to do one or the other um okay. and I just yeah I just think investing that time in kind of like the minor leagues yeah but not really because you're still playing against really successful players really went a long way for my volleyball career because that's what I was kind of going to ask, you know, what's the, yeah. you know, obviously there's clearly maybe a little animosity, but like, what's the relationship between the two leagues and then, um, you know, who plays in what league. And so at that point you're kind of establishing yourself in Florida and do you get, is there any like kind of like competition between the beach volleyballers and, and Cali versus the ones in Florida? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I think Florida, the top Florida players, all of us, feel a little jaded sometimes because the AVP won't come to Florida, you know, Mm -hmm. like they, like it's all California or bust. And that's 
why, you know, I wrote the article for the AVP. Mm -hmm. um, they've been asking players to do um, a from my perspective article. And I thought it was really important to say that, like, from my perspective, Florida is the place to be. Mm -hmm. Like, especially because if I had moved to California after UNF, I would be broke right now. There's mm -hmm. no way that from that time to this time, because the, the tournaments in California don't pay any money. Like mm -hmm. the tournaments in Florida pay, pay out really well. So you make the finals in Florida and you're paying your rent. <laughs> <laughs> That's and a big thing. <laughs> in, in California, they give you a ball and say, thanks for coming, you know? <laughs> and so I'd be paying 900 bucks a month in rent by myself to share mm -hmm. a place. Like, I mean, I know, I know a player who shared a room, split a room with somebody and paid 900 bucks a month. Wow. So, so you it's know, 1800 I, for a studio basically. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, living here, I've made money, saved money, have mm -hmm. a retirement, you know, like, and then, like I said before, I think I've just been taking this one step at a time. Like before I played with Sarah, I didn't have a U.S. partner, so I could never play internationally. I was always like, you know, I either just go like play a one-off with someone, which would have been fine. And I tried to do that at times, but it was not really a goal of mine to play internationally. Because I was like, I'm not even doing things domestically. Why am I going to spend $1,000 to travel to Cambodia for a mm -hmm. tournament where I might go 0-1, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so by the time that, you know, Sarah came around and we've kind of established ourselves here, I have the money to go travel and, and do those things. And I'm not like hoping that I'm going to win just to pay my rent, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think taking it step by step has definitely, and, and living here, living here because I can afford it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a PSA to a lot of people about Florida too. And, you know, I didn't realize it as well. I mean, even comparing the weather, and I know you even talked about that, the, the, yeah. the consistent heat in Florida is going to be even more per pervasive than you're going to have in California, I feel like too. And so if you really want that heat and humidity, Absolutely. this is the place, this is the state to be, you know? And I mean, you never get humidity in California. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think like playing these tournaments in Florida, like in Cambodia, it was like 105 <laughs> and humid and Guam, the UV index, dude, Guam was you probably crazy. Even I thought see. Cambodia was hot. Yeah. <laughs> I've never played that close to the equator. Guam is like right on the equator and the, the UV index, first of all, it's not like we play at 8am. Like we do on the AVP, you play at 11, 12, one or two, and then the day's over. So we played at like one in Guam and the UV index was 11 out of 12. If you Google UV index, you will see that next to 11, it says, do not go outdoors. <laughs> And we played a beach volleyball. Like I was burnt after every single day. And if you ask, especially if you ask any of my teammates from UNF, they will tell you like, I am like the sunscreen queen. Like I refuse That's... to get skin cancer. And like, I was burnt every day, no matter what. That's what I was going to ask. Crazy. Like, is you just lather up like, or what do you do? Do you cover yourself? Do you wear like clothes also or when I train I try to wear long sleeves like lighter weight long sleeves as much as possible um one day maybe I'll be able to play in a hat but just for some reason it just I can't play in a hat like I feel like I can't see do you go backwards um, do people go backwards hat because I feel like that would the guys the do the girls yeah. never do okay um, yeah it's like tennis in that way too it's kind of like the bald guys yeah do. like Jacob does <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> that makes probably sense just to yeah. Keep that. yeah so it's an aesthetic um, thing more so <laughs> well and I probably know sunscreen on the top of your head kind of thing yeah <laughs> um but yeah um 
but when yeah at a certain point in the middle of summer yeah you just sunscreen it up i mean we found it we actually found a great company that's florida based it's called stream to see that has a really nice um like mineral based sunscreen that's like good for the environment good for your skin and is like the reflective so <laughs> when you put it on you are like white because <laughs> the, it's mineral based but I would prefer to be white than be full of skin cancer. That's, so. that's smart. I think that's another good yeah. PSA for everybody out there, <laughs> if, especially if you're playing beach volleyball. Um, so, you know, you, the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize, too, is that you're playing tournaments in northern states. I mean, you, you talk about Seattle and, you know, sure, you can get rain in Florida, but rain in Seattle is a little bit different you know, and <laughs> it's, yeah. it's kind of like a hazy mist. Um, but it's so yeah. cool that you have the chance to play in these places, uh, in the U S even, um, how much do you, how much do you, do you like the travel part of it? And do you like visiting <laughs> the new places? Cause I know on the outside, a lot of times it's like, Oh, you're traveling to Austin. You're going to, you know, Cambodia. That must be great, but also it can be probably grueling. So wh- where do you stand on that? Uh, it's definitely both. Um, but I would say that's one of the coolest parts about this sport. Um, it is, I mean, the travel itself gets old, um, mm-hmm. uh, being on a plane gets really old. When we came back from Cambodia because of the whole coronavirus situation, we actually, um, cause we went to Cambodia at the beginning of February and we had bought our flights early January and our flights were going through China at the time. And so we actually had to change our flights, but because it was kind of a last minute change, their options were very few and it took us 45 hours to get there and 50 hours to get back. So that's like two whole days in the airport. Like when we went outside afterwards, we were like, Oh my God, the sun, like (laughs) we've been inside for 50 hours, you know? So, and you're just breathing airport air and just like, yeah, that's, I don't enjoy that. Um, but I definitely, I mean, I definitely enjoy like going to the cities. Um, it's a little, especially when you go to the same cities all the time, you kind of figure out your favorite things to do, but, and it's, it's tough because when you're there, you're there to compete. So it's not like there's all this time for like exploring. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely try to make time for that because what is the point (laughs) if Mm -hmm. you're not getting to enjoy and like see these new places and experience like different cultures um, and it's always nice to just get there a couple of days early just to get your bearings and get used to the court and everything. So these weekend tournaments turn out to be like week long events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we'll fly in like on a Tuesday, even though we don't play till Friday and we'll train in the morning and kind of get our exploring out of the way early, hopefully, because yeah. hopefully we're playing the whole time. But yeah. if not, if we lose, then we have plenty of time to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's like the silver lining, right? Like if you go, and you do well, awesome. If you don't, well, you're in like a cool city like Seattle, Austin, New York City, and you get to go, you know, check out the town mm-hmm. and, and with plenty of other players that are in the same mm-hmm. situation as you. So yeah, it's it's cool. It's definitely one of the coolest parts. Not the travel itself, but being there. <laughs> do you have a favorite trip so far in your career? And then obviously you have a couple of locations in, in Florida to play. Uh, do you have a favorite um, complex or type of sand that you've played on in Florida? Ooh, um, that's a good question. I would say like Fort Lauderdale Pompano is probably the nicest sand. It's like deep enough, but it's not too deep. Um, 
although their beach, their sand is just like dirtier than it is here. I mean, Clearwater Beach really is awesome, but being almost 30 now, when I play in Clearwater Beach, you can definitely feel it the next day because it's so much shallower. So it hurts a little bit more to play there. Um, a lot of the lower level players love siesta because it's more like indoor and it's so shallow, but like, I don't even know if I can play siesta anymore because it's getting on top of the ball and pounding. It hurts. (laughs) Yeah, it hurts. Um, yeah, it's like indoor. I'm not doing that anymore. (laughs) Um, that's cool. I mean, it's always cool when I feel like the, the sand, everyone loves to like complain about the sand like probably the worst beach in Florida is Cocoa Beach because it gets so hot. The sand Mm -hmm. is dark there. And like every single time someone plays in Cocoa, there's blisters like Mm -hmm. across the entire tournament, every single person has blisters, which is never fun. Um, But I mean, like Hermosa beach, like has my heart. (laughs) Like I think every (laughs) beach volleyball player, because when you go there, I mean, we played a couple, I played like two or three years ago, lost in the qualifier. And so I was just playing pickup with some of the other players, like on a court, you know, down, not even at the main event. And like Vince Vaughn walked up and just sat down and watched this play what? because he loves volleyball. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, That's you're in wild. California, so you get like, like a famous person to like come and yeah. like watch you play volleyball. And like people in Southern California just love it so much. I mean, it, it definitely happens in Florida, but like in Hermosa, the crowds, mm-hmm. that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But as far as like coolest place I've played, Cambodia was, oh my gosh, I would love to go back there. Like the people were so nice. It was so cheap. Like, oh yeah, you can, we couldn't spend $10 on a meal if we tried and get a massive amount of food. If you, oh my gosh, we got so much food and it was good. It was like fresh, you know, like Mm -hmm. I felt like the garden was like right outside and they just picked Mm -hmm. this and just stuck it in the blender, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's always cool when you're, you know, in, in Cambodia, we were staying at the players hotel with everybody else. So like all the other U S teams, we just kind of hung out the whole time. So again, it's like you're, you're back in the dorms in college and mm-hmm. you all eat your meals together and then you go train <laughs> and then you go, you know, so it, yeah. Um, I, I clear water's up there. It's beautiful. The sand is nice. Um, I'd say Pompano is a close second, but yeah, Hermosa is always a, always a good spot. So when you're playing those tournaments in Seattle and, you know, Chicago, are you, where in the city are you? I'm pretty familiar with both those cities, but are you like, are there courts near downtown? Are you on the Puget Sound? Are you on, you know, right on Lake Michigan right there? Or how does that work? Yeah. So Chicago is on Lake Michigan, right downtown. So there's like the Navy Pier when you're coming Mm -hmm. From the south up north around Lakeshore Drive, there's Navy Pier, and gotcha. then there's Oak Street Beach. Mm-hmm. Is like the first beach beach right there, right off the Magnificent Mile. That's where the tournament is. So okay. that one is really cool. You got the you got the, the pictures, buildings right there, and you got the the water right there. Yeah. The pictures are always really cool, and we get to stay in the Drake Hotel. Which oh, that's perfect. That's nice. real close by too. Yeah, it's, it's right really there. close. You can walk, and like the it's just a really nice hotel. So like that <laughs> obviously, really cool. yeah. Um, and I mean, since growing up on Lake Michigan, it is so nice to jump in like the fresh water mm-hmm. afterwards. No salt. Um, after your yeah. game, no salt. And usually it's like still pretty cold. So when you oh, get yeah. in, it's like a little baby, little baby ice bath after your <laughs> game. Um, Seattle, when I played on the NBL and we went to Se- Seattle, we were on Alki Beach, which okay. was not 
like really in the city, but it was right on the Puget mm-hmm. Town. Uh, I've been there. Exactly. That, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was cool. Like because it wasn't super hot, so the beach is like black sand. So that was kind of different to play in the sand there. But it was crazy windy, like crazy windy, because we're right there on the Puget Sound, so we're just getting smacked with like the wind coming across the water. Um, but the AVP plays at like Sammamish, which is like 30 minutes outside of the city at least, um, which is really nice. It's like a beautiful park. Um, I think they get a, a pretty good crowd out there. I, I can't say that I love Seattle, though. We've mm-hmm. never really had good results yeah. in Seattle, and I don't love playing in the cold. So um, Seattle's probably my least favorite stop on the tour. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Are there any bizarre kind of cities or locations internationally that host tournaments? like? think places you would not oh. expect like what is this doing here like why is this here like, absolutely yeah. okay. <laughs> um, I mean like Guam was kind of like that when we played in Guam it was the first event they've ever had and like the Guam beach volleyball community is like very underdeveloped so they were kind of trying to have the tournament to like boost that and like you know promote the sport there um it was gorgeous because we were on an island and we're playing on the on the beach it's always great when you get to play like on the actual beach because you know it's cool in new york that you're playing like in manhattan but it's not the beach you know they like bring the sand and they build the courts and that's that's probably my least favorite but um i mean on tour like if you look at the fivb schedule like there's an event in rwanda (laughs) which you would like never think that you would go play a beach volleyball tournament Mm -hmm. in rwanda um the events in China are all, I have not yet been to one, but I have heard that if you're not playing one of the higher star tournaments, like one of the tournaments with more prize money and the, the bigger tournaments, the smaller tournaments in China are kind of in like a little bit out in the, you know, areas you wouldn't really ever go in China. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that there's the food for the players and the players tent includes chicken feet usually. Oh. So, you know, that's not really one thing I'm looking forward to, but, um, yeah, the FIVB, man, they go all over the world, like everywhere. So you, you get, you definitely get to see some different stuff on that. Um, I mean the NVL, there was a tournament in Cincinnati on the NVL in a water park. And that was, that was the first one I made the final in the NVL. And it like, what do you mean? Like, like inside (laughs) the water park, like if you were going to go watch this tournament, like you had to pay an entry fee to go inside the water park also. So like one of the courts was like right here. And then like right above us was like one of the water slides. So like people would scream going down the slide, like right next to the court, like above us, like the ball could hit the water slide if we shanked it well enough. (laughs) Um, But it was awesome because after the game, you could just hop in a water slide. And that was definitely the best like way to rinse off after a game I've ever experienced. Um, that was a weird tournament because the courts were like spread out all throughout the water park. So like one court was like over here and then you had to like walk to the other side of the park to get to the other court. And like center court was like in the middle of three slides. It was, that was, yeah, that was it's, probably one of the most unique locations. Yeah. It's, it, it's like um, some kind of like, not an obstacle course, but just like, you're like, all right, now I'm going here. Now I'm going here. It's like, (laughs) yeah. And it was weird because every court was so different because where it was at, they were facing a different way or like the uh, ability for like the wind to come through or like the depth of the sand. Every court was literally like so different 
Whereas you play on a beach and all the nets are always facing the same way. So like the wind doesn't change, you know, the, the way the wind right. comes across the court is consistent all day. So you kind of get a rhythm, you know, but in, yeah, in the water park, every game was a brand new court. It seems like <laughs> so it was like a huge advantage if you'd played on that court the, the match before already. That's the thing about beaches. It seems like well, you get this in baseball a little bit where you'll have variations in fields and, and dimensions and whatnot. And a lot of people really like that aspect of it. And it adds a unique kind of spin to the, to the sport as a whole, I'm sure. Um, I love it. Yeah. That, that's what I think is one of the, the good things about Florida. Like the, mm-hmm. the beaches are so different. Like the way you have to play in Siesta is completely different than the way you have to play in Hermosa beach. Like you can't stop. Like when you run, and siesta, it's like you're running, you know, oh. on on a hardwood floor that someone sprinkled flour on top of, <laughs> you I know. See, so if like you're gonna stop, slide. you're gonna slide. Yeah. Yeah. So you you literally have to like change your technique and change the way that you play, and your strategies are a little bit different. Um, like in siesta versus hermosa. Like in hermosa, the sand is really deep. Everybody's slow. It's hard to move. So one of the best strategies in beach volleyball in hermosa is to serve that person high and deep because mm-hmm. you can't play the ball overhead. So you have to, you know, back all the way up to the end line and then run all the way back up to the net. So like short, deep serving, even though it's like a slow serve, just crushes people because physically yeah, it's exhausting. That makes sense. Doing that in siesta, you take two steps and you're there and it's yeah. like you did nothing. So that's like a complete, so people in siesta just come in like more like indoor and just try to like wreck the ball every time, which you can't do in Hermosa. So it's kind of so. like tennis, you know, you're playing on grass, you're playing on clay, you're playing on hardcore. Yeah. I mean, you're sliding around on clay. You got to factor that in. Yep. Some people will not yeah. deal with it. They cannot do it. They're hitting baseline. They want to cross the ball, you know? So yep. um, very similar to account for all these things. How do you guys train? um like in the weight room and how do you train on the courts um I think the hardest thing to adapt to is playing in deep sand when you haven't done it um it's just harder on your legs and it's when when you're not used like so if you trained in shallow sand and then you jumped into a deep court you're gonna feel like the least athletic version of yourself which is never what you want to feel in a tournament, right? You're going to be used to jumping higher. You're going to be used to reacting faster. So it's definitely the most advantageous to train in deep sand because it's easier to feel more jumpy, you know, and like feel quicker. Um, so thankfully the courts that we have here in St. Pete that we train on are really deep. They're, um, like city courts that were made. Um, and our coach actually is the one who kind of like designed how they were being made and made sure that they were really nice and deep. Um, so that's a huge advantage as far as like being prepared. Otherwise, I think the best way to prepare is just to go play tournaments on different beaches because mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty difficult to just go train on a different court every day um, or even every week. So that helps um, as far as the weight room goes. I think uh, we work out here at a gym called seriously strong. And I think they've done a really good job, especially this off season of, typical any athlete you know you're in the off season you're trying to put on muscle and then when you get closer to season you're focusing on more explosive dynamic movements um I can say my upper body has been stronger than it's ever been in my entire life (laughs) working out with them because they decided that my legs were fine I was explosive and strong but my arms were weak so (laughs) all right (laughs) that's been a struggle but um no it's good uh yeah so I think it's not 
super different. I think one thing we try to do is make sure we get every now and then a practice in the rain when we can, when there's not like lightning, because Mm -hmm. at a tournament, if there's no lightning and there's rain, you're playing and that changes everything. The ball gets heavier and the way that you play because the ball is heavier is different. Um, So that experience is really valuable. But I think for me, the best way I've always prepared for that is to just play. The more often you play, the more tournaments on different beaches with different people, you're prepared for anything. Mm -hmm. Going back to that rain thing, I think that was one of the surprising things to me. You think of beach and you think of beach volleyball and it's like people don't go to the beach when there's rain. So (laughs) by, by, you know, association, you wouldn't play beach volleyball during it, but that's not the case. And there's a lot of like grit involved in the sport because of the wind and the rain. Um, Yeah. Especially early on in the season, especially for, for collegiate um, athletes. I know for us this year, when we had our opener February 21st, I think it was probably 46 and really yeah. windy, you know, and, and it's that like was my least favorite part about Jack's. <laughs> yeah. You'll get that. You'll get a few of those yeah. weekends, uh, early on in the season, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, um, so right now, what is, what are you trying to do? Um, fitness wise, how do you like, you know, do you change up your training much because of this? Um, or do you just play as much as you can still? Yeah, I think the hardest thing is, is not really knowing where we're at in our season, Mm -hmm. because if I knew for a fact, I wasn't going to play until August, I could say, all right, let's put some muscle on, you know, let's, let's train heavy, um, with like a bigger focus on strength and not maybe as much on conditioning or playing. And we could be working on like skill stuff, but we could potentially play next month or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if, if Florida opens up and we're able to play a tournament in Florida, okay, we're getting back into it in a couple of weeks. So it's, it's definitely been challenging to figure that part out. Um, I think the thing I've tried to focus on the most is having, you know, we're, we're playing maybe me and my partner are able to practice maybe twice a week together. And, um, so having all this extra time, I think it's been a, a, a nice change of pace to be able to work on stuff that I've never really got to work on. Um, so I've been trying to be athletic in other ways. Like I used to love to run and I've been running all the time. Um, and me and my husband have been running. Uh, we have, we keep track of our mile times and nice. just like a different kind of athleticism mm-hmm. that is going to keep me in shape and keep me motivated. Um, we're still lifting and still working out. Thankfully I have a nice garage gym, so that's helpful for sure. And this time, um, there's a lot of physical therapy stuff that like, you know, throughout the years you just get so busy or you're just smoked from your regular training, then it's not really worth it to like add that on top. Right. So I think I'm just trying to focus on like whole, whole body, like maintenance and health that I haven't really gotten to do and like trying to balance it out and also at the same time trying not to burn myself out Mm -hmm. if this does go for a really long time um you know if we don't play a tournament for another like three months and I'm like going hard right now training and pushing my body I'm not gonna last right I mean obviously that's the hardest part is the unpredictability um yeah but I think a lot of people right now anytime there's like a reset like this I think the holistic health and kind of just maybe neglect areas that they've neglected because of time restraints, maybe like, I'm not going to do as much yoga. I'm not going to stretch as much. I'm not going to worry about my posture as much. I'm not going to, you know, you know, just, and running is a perfect example of this. I mean, 
I've yeah. seen more people outside doing cardiovascular activity than I, yeah. I may have ever, you know, like yeah. in my yeah, life. I know. And so it's pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, at this point in your career, kind of what's your focus and mentality and like, what are you really focusing on and what are your goals? Um, so last season we, it's, I'm very thankful and very fortunate to have a committed partner. Um, one of the toughest things about beach volleyball is the partner mm-hmm. search. Cause um, you guys have been consistent. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and the partner shuffle is real. And I think a lot of players have a hard time progressing in their career because everyone loves to think, I think there's just this pervasive mentality in beach volleyball that like, I'm already good enough. So if I'm not winning, it's because this partner isn't the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in Southern California, I think it's really easy to have that mindset because there's so many options. Mm-hmm. Um, I think here it's been really, I mean, it, it, it's really fortunate that like Sarah and I were able to partner up personality wise, you know, every, everybody has even like with your, even with my husband, you know, like everybody has like their things. And mm-hmm. since we've spent three years together now and like, so much I mean I see her more than I see my husband (laughs) Um, so (laughs) you definitely have like your relationship struggles because like you would with any relationship um but it's just nice to know that you know she believes in my coaches too and so she's kind of committed to like the training that we have and the coaches that we have the situation that we have living here like she's she's committed to this Florida lifestyle that I've already committed myself to um so it just kind of is a no brainer that we would play together. And not only that, especially in beach volleyball, it's really to play at the highest level. You have to kind of find a partner that complements each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, because there's definitely, I, we played against teams where both of the players strongest ability defensively was to defend hard driven balls. So if they ever play against a team that just wants to hit every ball, they're going to beat you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think, Sarah and I have that balance of each other where her abilities defensively and my abilities defensively really complement each other. Our serving strategies and our serving techniques like really complement each other. Our offensive, like the way we like to play our offense complements each other. So again, like super lucky that she's the one that like happens to come Mm -hmm. like train with us. Um, And yeah, so kind of just, having that committed partner allows us to have a plan where I feel like a lot of players are just kind of trying to just find a partner every season Mm -hmm. and make a new plan every season because they're finding a new partner. So um, I've had, and we've chatted about like our our kind of long-term vision of this last year, we were really focused domestically and wanted to establish ourselves, especially because financially being in the main draw and knowing you're going to make money every tournament changes everything. Um, you know, you just never want to bite off more than you can chew. And so then this year we were like, all right, let's start getting some points. I think the timing works out really well because there's, depending on how all the Olympic stuff goes down, ideally there's two years before the next Olympic qualification starts. So we would be putting ourselves in a position to be able to do that if that's where our lives were at. Mm -hmm. You know, if we didn't decide that, okay, I'm done playing professional volleyball, I want to start a family or I get hurt and something else happens. Um, that's kind of like the path that I ended up being on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's been really nice. And the only reason I've been able to do that is having 
having a committed partner and, and it's tough. I mean, we're definitely in a part of our partnership where it's been really tough, like relationship wise, like, you know, we're friends off the court and it's never been a problem and we communicate really well. And, you know, I care about her, like, like she's my sister, you know, but on the court, you just kind of get stuck in that rut of like these things that bother you. And we're you both are both, a competitor so, like, at the end of the day. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think, and that's what you have to do to qualify for the Olympics because you have to play with the same team for over two years to okay. make it work. Um, and a lot of these teams end up playing for three, four years together and to reach their like peak success. So I think even if it's not me and Sarah that get to do this process, being able to be a part of the process of maintaining the same team for two, three, four years is, is cool. Like just to see how it is supposed to work and get a chance to practice that. And I think that's going to be really valuable for me going forward in my career, if I continue to play or if I coach beach volleyball one day or coach a team through this situation, you know, I think it's a, it's a part of the game that so many players don't get to have because of the like partner shuffle that usually happens. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. How did you end up meeting her and how did that start? Um, so she's from North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I mentioned before that Kaylee Melville, from Stetson mm -hmm. actually decided to come and train with us. Um, and she met Sarah in North Carolina and started playing tournaments with her and was like, okay, this girl like has a lot of potential. So she brought Sarah as her partner here to train with us in our training group. And then she decided that, you know, the California lifestyle is what she's always dreamed of. And so Mel decided to move to California and, and start training out there. And Sarah decided that wasn't really what she was looking for. Her family's on the East Coast. They just bought a sailboat here. Like, they're happy in St. Pete, you know. And um, so it was kind of like at first, especially because she was still a rookie, it was like that awkward, like, you're a blocker. I'm a defender. We train together. Like, it just, you know, like, I don't want there to be pressure. Like, if you don't want to play with me or I don't want to play with you, like, it's okay. We'll still train together. You know, it'll be fine. But, um, yeah, I think – at first, I always, you know, I could tell she was just a grinder and she was a hard worker and that's obvious and she's super committed, which is huge. Um, and then there was a tournament I watched her play that, that year that we were kind of like trying to like not pressure each other into like, we have to play together. Um, I watched her play a tournament with another girl and she took over a match and I was like, I got to play with this girl. Yeah. Like, like it's gonna, she's still really new and she's still learning a lot, but like, like I, I want to be there, you know, I want to be part of that. And I want to, I want to like be a part of her career wherever it goes. Cause she's a stud. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was definitely like awkward for a second, but I think both of us knew at the end of the day, like we were going to play together. You just didn't want to like be like, you know, mm -hmm. I assume you're playing with me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's like, so. is it, do you think the same thing I'm thinking? Like, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, once you cross so. that, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you cross yeah. that bridge, like that, that line, you're like, all right, we're good and everything. How, yeah. how usual is it for partners to, you know, stay with each other year after year? Is there like, is that a very rare thing? It's rare. Um, outside of the top five teams in, in the U S I would say almost every single pair last maybe two seasons usually it's like one and a half mm -hmm. like they'll be like oh we finished this season really strong together so we're going to start next season together um and then they'll play a couple tournaments and if it doesn't go well that partnership's usually over mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so 
yeah, it's, it's pretty rare. So you guys, you obviously practice together, but you like kind of share like strategy about how you're going to approach the season in terms of like where we're, where we might travel, like what are our ultimate goals? Like, is what's that kind of relationship like within the relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. I think, um, again, like I said, she's very committed. Uh, this is definitely like her top priority, which is really hard to find also. I mean, it's hard for it to be a lot of players top priority Mm -hmm. because there's just not that much money in this sport. So frankly, like finding someone who has handled their finances well and is in a good financial position to, to make, you know, this, their career is a huge thing. And, and she's kind of got all that figured out. So that was huge. Um, but yeah, we, we have, and our coaches are really invested in that too. We've been working with the same, I've been working with the same coach since I moved to St. Pete. Um, and so it's usually like a team goal. It's not just me and Sarah. We, we consult with our coaches and every season talk about, you know, this is, this is what our goals are. This is kind of what the calendar is going to look like. So we can sit down and we can plan our training year, not just like week to week. Um, which I think again, also gives us a big advantage over a lot of other teams who maybe get coached twice a week, like outside of just financially, like outside of, again, the top five teams in the u.s who are getting their coaching stipend from usa volleyball all of the other people are paying that out of their own pocket so in southern california can you afford to have a coach five days a week not many people can Mm -hmm. it's very rare so here we have a coach we have the same coach five days a week 365 days a year so they know us very well they know our team they know our strengths our weaknesses and um that that part has thankfully like super easy just because I feel like of the people that we've ended up surrounding ourselves with so yeah Mm -hmm. what do what do a lot of professional beach volleyball players do outside of the sport if they have to have other jobs most of us I would say coach um Mm -hmm. just because that easy Mm -hmm. you know everybody wants somebody who's playing professionally coaching because they know what they're doing it's an easy Um, sell (laughs) It's an easy sell. It's usually pretty good money. It's usually relatively flexible. Um, but man, people do everything. Like one of the top players on the tour has been a math tutor for years, mm-hmm. Emily Day, and she does math Monday on her Instagram. That's what um, I was going to say. There's like, you're going to be traveling. How are you going to do this? You got to do something like go to YouTube, yeah. make your own tutorials or something. Yeah. So like the McKibben brothers have been really successful at turning all of their, they're totally into like video stuff and they started their own YouTube channel and have really blogging awesome it and job stuff like that yeah 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 exactly so they call it the volley vlog and uh um there's definitely players that have like a nine to five i mean there's this one girl sheila shaw who is notorious for practicing at 6 a.m because she works at nine and she rolls in like straight from the beach sandy to her like nice nine to five job that she like throws a you know a blazer on top of her bikini every day and you always know that if Sheila asks you to practice, that you're getting up at the crack of dawn to practice. And she's been doing that for like 10 years um, and had and been successful. So I think it's all over the board, especially for that like second tier of players that are outside of like the USA Volleyball funding. Because um, once you get into that top tier of players, you get salary from USA Volleyball. And that's mm. really the goal. <laughs> that's when you know you've made it. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, I've been coaching, but now I've been trying to use this time to to get into remote health coaching so that I can mm-hmm. do this while we travel and not be so 
um, you know, stuck just making money only when I'm home. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I was like, yeah, you imagine you'd had people would have to be very creative um, with this sport. Cause it's similar in a sense to like you see with minor league baseball players a lot of the time, you know, yeah. with the amount of travel that they do. What's like the, what's the um, typical age range then for a professional beach volleyball player? <laughs> <laughs> um, bigger than any other sport. I can tell you that. Yeah. That's what it seems uh, I, like. Yeah. They, there's two girls that we played that came to Guam and played for the USA internationally in Guam. They made the semifinals. Um, they made, a semi or a quarterfinal in one of the AVP tournaments this year and they're seniors in high school. And so they're 17 and then Carrie Walsh, who's going to go to the Olympics, you know, Jake Gibb, Phil Dahlhauser, they're in their Mm forties. So there's literally like, you know, and Carrie plays against these girls who, um, Delaney and Megan, they, she's playing against her kids, you know, like they're literally like 30 years younger than her. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, yeah, playing on the court, like with your partner, who's like 10 years older than you or against kids who are in high school who like have all the energy in the world and are touching every ball. And it's so annoying. (laughs) You're like, get away. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, there's so much room for creativity and, athleticism and skill and like just experience like you can win when you're 40 and can barely move or you can win when you're 16 and just because you can like wear people out you know mm-hmm. um yeah the age, the age range is is very unique to our sport have you felt that your style of play has changed at all since you got into professional beach definitely mm-hmm. thankfully um <laughs> i was a little I used to always fight with the coaches at UNF actually, because they were just like, you need to hit the ball. And I was like, why would I like, that's exhausting. Why would I jump that hard <laughs> and hit hard when I can just score without just, leaving the ground? Just tap it over. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, I think that definitely comes in handy, but to play at the highest level, you definitely need to be more physical. And so that's something I've been trying to, to work on the last couple of years. And I think I am, I think I, I've physically, just like strength wise um, and game game strategy wise, like been like I'm more of a hitter these days than I ever used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think defensively, I understand the game at a much higher level now than I ever even knew existed when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like strategy and show and take and not just like, I think I've always had a good feel for the game and a good awareness and a good, I call it like mind reading and beach volleyball. I mean, that's a setter. That's a setter for you too, partially. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So I think that is an ability I've always had, but to, it doesn't always work. Um, And especially when you're playing against those high level players who have every shot and they can hit them all really well and they can hit every ball. They'll move the ball around on you to, I think the biggest thing I've developed is patience Um, Mm -hmm. to know that the game, you're not going to win every point on defense and you shouldn't at the highest level is that you need, you only need two points to win. So you can earn zero points the entire game. The other team can side out every time as long right. as you are. Mm-hmm. And it can be 20, 20 and mm-hmm. you only need two points. And yeah. it can be an ace. It's true. It can be a mistake by the other team or it can be one dig. And I think that is probably like the biggest still thing that I have mm-hmm. to remind myself because 
the one everybody has that thing that they when they're playing you're like if I'm not doing this one thing well that I'm not playing good you know mm-hmm. even though you might be playing good mm-hmm. for me it's digging so if I'm not digging the crap out of the other team I'm not playing well and that's a thing patience wise I think I've had to learn that it's okay if I don't dig the other team mm-hmm. like it doesn't mean I'm playing bad and I don't need that to win so yeah well I'm sure you mo- you move on <laughs> in your career more and you're like you have those inner like bent check marks that you're like mm-hmm. okay like I'm still okay and probably yeah. earlier in your career at times things feel like they're getting in dis- into disarray earlier maybe and they're really not yeah. and you know that yeah, whole mental game. Yeah you get a game. little more like lost in the mm-hmm. game um, mm-hmm. instead of like being able to stay above the game like mm-hmm. you said and like think about it more rationally than emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has the has the culture of the game changed in the last five years? Um, I would say that since becoming an NCAA sport, I would, I think the culture of the sport has grown more serious. I think now with with NCAA beach volleyball, there's a lot, a lot, like triple more, very high, high level players, like right there because they've been training since they were 16 before it was mostly, you know, if you grew up in Southern California, maybe you trained since you were 16. But other than that, it was pretty much like after you finish your collegiate indoor career, mm-hmm. then you pick up beach, which you can still do and compete at a high level. But um, just the volume of high level players is a lot higher. So to succeed, you have to take it a lot more seriously. Um, so I think the culture has, has been more competitive for sure. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, because I mean, even reflecting on UNF's roster and, and who is on that team and some of our best players, you know, and where they're from, they're, I mean, they're from everywhere. You know, p- players yeah. are coming from cities that, you know, for a, a beach volleyball novice, like I'm thinking, oh, our player, you know, players from a, a town in Canada, how can that support yeah. beach? And you don't realize what the, what the growth in the sport has done to create that too. And I'm sure there yeah. are a lot more players that are specializing and beach as well which is absolutely interesting too um looking at just college beach volleyball and looking at your path like what would you say to somebody that is getting the opportunity to play collegiate beach volleyball would you say like absolutely pursue it and open your mind to the possibilities or any advice you'd give them oh definitely I mean I think I think it's playing college sports is is one of a kind. And I think everybody who's done it feels the same way. Um, it, it changes you in a way that I think there's not many other opportunities in life to get that experience. Um, that accountability, that discipline, that grinds, that those goals, you know, it, it's, it's different. So yeah, anybody that is thinking about playing beach and college should try it. You know, nobody says you have to play all four years, but if you have an opportunity to start, go for it. Um, And I always like, I think that beach volleyball specifically, you know, it's, it's so different than than any other indoor, you know, volleyball or NCAA sport, I think just because the season is really short. And so you kind of prepare, you prepare, you sit around, you wait, and like the anticipation kills you until finally like it's season and you play for like two and a half months. And it's go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. And it's over like before you even realize it started. so yeah, anybody that's thinking about it, it, it is a one of a kind experience. And, you know, I think 
in my experience, people regret not taking that chance. And I always tell people like, you can quit in the middle of the season. No one says you had to play the whole year. Like if you hate it that much, but you won't mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you'll make your best friends. You'll learn a ton about life and you'll, you know, that will be the time in your life that you always look back on. And it's like, man, that was it. That was like the time that things were really rolling. <laughs> um, and I mean, I'm sure for you, I mean, thinking about how different your life would have been if you didn't choose to just say this one year, I'm going to go to Florida I'm going to play beach volleyball, you know, that's like a domino effect, you know, at, Oh yeah. in and of itself, you know, right there. Um, yeah. Going away quickly from volleyball. One of the interesting things that I saw was that you, you're a Zelda player. <laughs> I love Zelda. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite game? <laughs> um, obviously Breath of the Wild. Um, okay. Nintendo Switch is the coolest game I've ever played. Uh, my best friend Rachel who I played indoor with in college and started playing beach with we used to in the spring like when we find you know we had all this time we never knew existed when spring season hit and indoor we would play Zelda as soon as we got back from practice in the morning (laughs) and just like crush it so yeah it's always good to have a person to play the games with I'm more of a wind waker ocarina of time fan that's a good one you know well we crushed ocarina of time (laughs) Yes. And then we did, you know, Majora's Mask. We did all the N64 games. Okay. And then and then we upgraded to the Switch. So Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. any any other games, any other any other ways you pass the time that you uh, uh want to share? Um we've recently been extremely competitive with Overcooked on the Switch. I don't know okay. if you've ever played that. I and whenever played, I try but... to ex- Oh man, whenever <laughs> I try to explain it to people, it sounds so dumb, but every athlete should play Overcooked. It's like a little bit stressful. I, I was just going to say, I feel like I'm like, it should be high anxiety is like what the game is going to be like. Yeah. But as an athlete, you're like, yeah, it's okay. like super competitive. So yeah. Overcooked is like you're cook, you're in a kitchen and you have to get the orders out and you only have a certain amount of time. And it sounds so dumb, but it is, <laughs> it is so competitive. And um, yeah, me and my husband will play together, but uh, we don't, that that game brings out all of our relationship issues in 30 seconds and <laughs> it's not like it's, so it's like diner dash in a way if you, like kind of like have you played that yeah, one yeah but yeah like it's more it's anxiety. more elaborate it's more anxiety okay right <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. i mean i always love mario kart yep um super smash is something we played in college all the time um yeah, we try, we're trying not to just play video games this entire quarantine, but there's definitely been days where we've just been like, screw it. We're three hours in, let's just make it a day. Jump on, jump on Twitch and, you know, and, and get a following yeah, going. You never, know, you never know with that uh, too. Yeah, maybe that's a new revenue stream for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to share, Kim, career-wise advice? I mean, I just think that like I've seen a lot of people decide for themselves like to shut doors that that they chose to shut when because they didn't think you know they could do it and I definitely couldn't have told you five years ago that I really in my heart and my soul believed I could make an AVP final you know and then I did so I just think if you love something like I've always been so passionate about playing and I just never said no to a door that was open, you know? And I think I see a lot of people do that because they just decide that they're not good enough and you never know, you know, like just, if there's a, if there's an open door and you have an opportunity, I encourage everybody to, to take it. If that's what you really love. I think 
the best careers in anything come from passion and not everyone has that chance. And if you're blessed enough to have the chance to see a door that will take you towards your passion, like you should definitely do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do it, do what you want to do when you have the chance to do it. So yeah, for sure. Thanks Kim. It was a great interview. Um, I'm looking forward to having everybody listen to this and uh, Hey, stay safe. And then when you're back on the courts, good luck. We'll be watching. Thank you, Kim, for taking time to talk today as we catch up with more Ospreys that have been around the nation, around the world, pursuing their passions and dreams after their time at UNF. Thank you for your words as well. And before we take off, continue to follow everything that is going on in UNF athletics as we continue to post content on our social media at the following accounts, UNF Ospreys on Twitter, along with all the sports-specific accounts, North Florida Ospreys on Facebook, UNF Ospreys on Instagram, and on UNFOspreys.com. We're looking back on each of our seasons, spring seasons included, honoring spring seniors during what would have been the ASUN championship dates and posting Osprey Today content featuring some of the greatest moments in our history. So thanks again, Kim. Thanks for listening today, guys, and we'll see you here next week.